Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we do a first and 15 before we begin the show here on Dog Nation Daily each and every day. And I was doing something a minute ago, and I guess I was trying to make some sort of point about something. I had my uh, rundown in, the, in my hand, and I just completely threw it off the desk. So I had to get up right before the show started. I don't typically do that. I'm normally sort of seated and ready to go. But as our music played there a moment ago, I was actually scrambling around to find some paper I'd thrown on the floor. So let me kind of collect myself here. We'll get ready to start today's show. Obviously, SEC Media Days prepares to conclude here today. And I was saying this a moment ago to our video audience. There is no doubt about it. The season is essentially here now, right? I mean, you kind of really feel like that at what well, one point in time it felt like sort of a future tense conversation of this is what's going to happen and you know you know somewhere into the into the to the near future you know all this is going to take place all of a sudden now a lot of this college football chatter starts to feel very present tense have you noticed that that just sort of feels like we're only a couple of weeks away from georgia practices beginning the season itself not too far after that we are kind of in it and it feels great to have the uh, season kind of on the uh, doorstep here right now that's where we sort of think that we are and one of the fun things that's come out of sec media days this week is a little bit of a, a log on the fire of the georgia florida rivalry a little bit you know how we feel around here we're big believers that a good georgia fan is a gator hater first and foremost we do our gator hater countdown each and every day eddie the uh, mascot for dog nation daily he loves all of that by the way we have kind of a milestone number for our gator hater countdown which i'm excited about we'll tell you more about that a little bit later on in our program and so while georgia has kind of pursued some very big goals the last couple of years they've won the last two national championships we believe they'll go for three in 23 here this year college ball is still that kind of sport where rivalries don't stop mattering just because you're kind of better than your rivals you know rivals can be sort of a thing that sort of supersedes uh maybe supersedes the wrong word rivalries have their own meaning apart from the larger pursuit of a championship that's just one of the things that i think draws us to college football your rivalry game matters when you're bad your rivalry game matters when you're better than your rivals rivalry games just sort of never stop mattering so we still believe the georgia florida game is as important as it ever was even though florida for the most part's been an embarrassing mess the last few years that doesn't make the cocktail party any less fun or any less important in our mind so when we have a chance to kind of stir all that up of course we're going to do that and kirby smart i think unintentionally kind of did some of that at sec media days this week he was asked a question about the georgia florida rivalry the questioner the inquisitor if you will put the uh names of the two teams in the wrong order and kirby smart as any good alumnus of uga would do sitting in a position like this kirby smart was quick to correct the way in which we discussed the georgia florida rivalry known as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party this was funny from kirby whether he meant it to be or not from sec media days this week take a listen to this well first off you misspoke about the game it's the georgia florida game okay so <laughs> i want to clear that up um but for us, I, I really don't care where the game's played. I want what's best for the student athletes, and I want what's best for our program. So that's obviously Kirby kind of stepping back from the should the game be played in Jacksonville or not. He's obviously shared some feelings on that, but he doesn't want to make like I don't think Kirby wants to make his opinion about the Georgia Florida game the first line of his Wikipedia page. I mean, he has a feeling on that, but he's not going to jump up and down on the table every time that question's asked. Maybe that's an example of that. But it's the first part of that that's more interesting to me. Kirby saying, hey, 
we say Georgia Florida we don't say it the other way this is the Georgia Florida rivalry uh that's the way we choose to say that and I'm reminded of a conversation that we had when Kirby first became Georgia coach about whether or not it mattered that Kirby was a UGA alumnus this was a Georgia guy becoming the Georgia coach had not really had that in quite some time at UGA would that have mattered you know what was important about that and to this day I still don't know that I know how much being a Georgia alumnus has kind of aided Kirby in terms of being a better Georgia coach. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. I'm not quite so sure. But wouldn't we all stand up in agreement to say it has certainly made it more fun? Has it made Kirby a better coach? Maybe it has. Maybe he's more motivated because this is his alma mater, but Kirby's a pretty driven guy anyway. He's probably motivated no matter where he's coaching. And Georgia fans were hungry to have a successful coach no matter what his background was. And Kirby, having been a graduate from Georgia, was probably more just sort of a footnote to his resume than it was the main reason why you wanted to hire him. But ultimately, having a coach like Kirby at Georgia, who did play here, who grew up in the state of Georgia, who understands you know the history of all this, even though sometimes he sort of plays along like he does, and he gets the history of all of this, it has certainly made it more fun. In other words, Kirby can authentically say, this is the Georgia-Florida rivalry. And everybody knows that he's not just kind of – this isn't his version of Brian Kelly trying to say family. Like, this is authentic and real for Kirby. This is as much a part of his, you know, past and much a part of his, you know, personal makeup as anything possibly could be. So does being a Georgia grad make Kirby a better Georgia coach? Not sure. Does it make it more fun for Georgia fans? You better believe that it does. And little short quips like that are the best example of that. However, Folks were apparently paying attention to Kirby Smart saying Georgia Florida is the right way to say this rivalry because we got a chance to hear from the old ball coach himself, Steve Spurrier, who uh, never seems to sort of shy away from a, tan- a chance to take a jab, including taking jabs at George when possible. Now, this is all kind of meant to be in good fun, of course. But uh, nonetheless, Spurrier kind of trying to stir it up. He likes to do that. That seems to come natural for him. He took a little bit of a shot back in the direction of Kirby Smart about what Kirby Smart had said about the Georgia-Florida rivalry. I guess this was on Instagram. Let me show this to you here, what uh, what Spurrier says here, that I heard that Kirby Smart said it was the Georgia-Florida game today during SEC Media Day's appearance. He might wear a visor, and if you're listening radio podcast, there's a picture of Spurrier and Kirby together. By the way, I don't know. Is this AI? Like this, you know, In this day and age, I never know what's real or not anymore. It seems like we have some pretty specious pictures that show up. Is this an AI picture? Are Kirby and Spurrier really posing and smiling because that could be scandalous for both fan bases if that's indeed the case uh but anyway uh, you got Spurrier I'm assuming I'm assuming that's the Chick-fil-a uh, golf event possibly but uh you got Spurrier and uh Kirby in their visors both smiling both holding up the uh the uh, number ones there uh Spurrier says Kirby might wear a visor but until he wins 11 out of 12 and Spurrier says the rivalry game in the wrong order I think we all know what this rivalry is really called so Steve Spurrier hearkening back to the distant past to try to get uh Florida fans fired up there uh and uh, obviously like I said he's having fun with this so we're not gonna make it you know more serious than it necessarily is but this does cause me to want to issue a little bit of a warning be careful here Florida fans be careful here Florida be careful Steve Spurrier (laughs) if you issue a challenge to Kirby Smart until you win 11 of 12 then you know you better not say this do you really want Kirby Smart to have more motivation in the Georgia Florida game I mean do you really want him to have more motivation after the the 
carnage that he sort of laid waste to in Jacksonville these last few years. You know, this game, it seems, based on the sort of, you know, twists and turns of the of the sort of business culture down there in the Florida First Coast, it seems like this game may stick around in Jacksonville for a little while longer, which probably is not Kirby Smart's preference, we know, uh, certainly, but he may have to kind of put up with this just because of the money that Georgia makes because of that. So if Kirby has to make peace with this game being in Jacksonville longer than he wants it to be, giving him a reason to be excited about that, that's the last thing you want to do. Uh, because, you know, you know what has Georgia won? Uh, 2022, 2021, pandemic year 2020 doesn't count. 2019, 2018, 2017. That's what, five of six that Kirby Smart has uh, won in this rivalry already? Do you really want to give him motivation to say, all right, I'll tack on five more and then five more after that and then five more after that? Do you really want to give him more motivation to do that? Because let's not forget here. Let's not forget here. In the midst of what was a relatively meaningless Georgia-Florida game a couple of years ago, when Georgia goes on the incredible flurry to finish the first half, Kirby Smart showed you at halftime of that game how much Georgia-Florida can mean to him, no matter how bad Florida might be in a uh, particular situation right there. Now, as many of you know, I can't play the unedited version of this uh, uh, you know, particular clip here, not because we have FCC regulations, you know, uh, podcast video. We don't really have a lot of FCC restrictions, but just simply because it's just way too profane. Like we try to keep a sort of family oriented type show around here, whether the FCC tells us we have to or not. Um, we try to keep a relatively family uh, friendly show. The Kirby rant was not family friendly. So a couple of years ago, I took the task of trying to edit it to make it be a little bit more family-friendly, a little bit more presentable on air. And my reminder to Steve Spurrier is, even though I've kind of taken some of the harsh harsh edge off of this, this is how Kirby Smart feels about the Georgia-Florida rivalry. Do you really want to fire him up to say more things like this in the future? Here is a reminder from 2021. Flipping. 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 Stop. Behinds. We are Flipping. Gentlemen. So about every six months or so, I like to try to, uh, I guess, come up with an excuse to kind of play that clip again. But in this particular case, I don't think it could serve a better purpose. Strong admonition in the uh, direction of uh, Steve Sperger thereof, you know, do you really want to fire Kirby Smart up like that? You say, hey, until you've won 11 of 12, whatever the number was, do you really want to make that a stated goal for Kirby, given how much he seems to have enjoyed uh, beating up on Florida these last few years? I'm not quite so sure you want to do that. In fact, I think we sort of saw Billy Napier at SEC Media Days yesterday. You know, Napier was fine. There was nothing wrong with anything that he said or anything like that. But he certainly did not come across as someone who was immediately ready to kind of slow down the Georgia dynasty. He didn't quite seem like he was one step away from doing that necessarily. So perhaps that's just sort of something uh, to keep in mind. Now, I want to shift gears here and talk about something completely different here for a moment. We've got a busy show on tap for you. It'll be Terrence Edwards here in just a little bit. We'll also look a little bit more at some of what happened for Georgia during SEC media days here this week, including Brock Bowers having spotlight on him uh, that perhaps he doesn't necessarily love, but I thought that Brock did a pretty good job in the midst of all that there as well. But for a moment here, I want to, because we have referenced some of this stuff before, I want to make sure we kind of follow up on this here right now. You may have seen yesterday that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution issued a couple of corrections to a story that it recently wrote about UGA and some uh, some issues there. A couple of corrections were issued to that AJC story yesterday. 
and the reporter involved in that story uh, has been terminated there as well. You may very well have already read that at the AJC. We want to kind of just point you in the direction of that, let you know that was published yesterday. And if you want more about that situation, more about um, what may have uh, gone on there, then you can read that you know, online, AJC.com, and see that from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So wanted to point that out. That is out there, and you can go and read that if you have not seen that already. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. And happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945 First and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 96 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world famous dognation.com. The point is, we're on like as many platforms as we can find as a way of making the show as easily accessible for you as possible. So whichever way you pick, whichever version of the show you prefer, we're just glad you find us. We're glad you're a part of what we do here each and every day. And we could not do the fun stuff we get a chance to do, making fun of Florida and all that kind of stuff. We would not get a chance to do that if not for great sponsors like our sponsor today, our friends at Merriweather and Tharp. Merriweather and Tharp, of course, is your source for Georgia divorce. And I realize the Georgia football is fun. Making fun of the lousy stinking Gators, that is fun. Uh, the divorce process is not fun. I understand that. And yet I also understand in an audience the size of ours, it is also a statistical reality that some of you are going through this right now, feel like it could be something you go through in the future. And I want to try to give you this as a reminder that if you feel like that's the next step for you, if you've got questions about the divorce process, our friends at Meriwether and Tharp have answers to your questions. And it's not going to be one of these things where they're going to push you into something that's not right for you, that's not, you know, they don't have a preferred outcome. It's you who has a preferred outcome here. And if that preferred outcome is divorce, if you feel like the relationship is severed, there is no chance to, to reconcile that. Well, that's where Meriwether and Tharp can be great at educating you about what comes next. But listen, They've got plenty of clients. They got plenty of business. They're going to push you into something that's not right for you. So that's kind of, I think, an enjoyable thing. You know, the idea that I can sit down, tell my story, and have a no pressure conversation coming from the other side because, you know, ultimately what's best for you is going to be what's best for Meriwether and Thought. They want to guide you in the direction of choosing what's best for you. That's they view that as their responsibility to you. All the more reason why I have zero hesitation about recommending them to talk with when it comes to this divorce situation. So you can go online. You can find the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That's the website, TheAtlantaDivorceTeam.com. You can go online. You can uh, see that there. And you can kind of really educate yourself. Uh, figure out a way, you know, what kind of questions do I want to ask when I have that free initial consultation with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys? And then you settle in, you, you, you look at the situation, and if divorce is right for you, then you can make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to go with you on that journey, to walk with you through that process. Because they, as, as I said, they've handled thousands of these types of cases before. You really gain a lot of institutional expertise, a lot of institutional knowledge when you do something like that. And all that work, good work that Meriwether and Tharp has done in the past, they want to leverage that for you here right now. So find them online, uh, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your 
source for Georgia divorce. All right, so we got Terrence Edwards coming up in a moment. Fun conversation with him today about kind of everything that has been unfolding with Georgia as of late. Look forward to doing that, the SEC Media Days deal and all that kind of stuff there as well. So we'll do that with Terrence here coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And I was joking about this. So you got to imagine that Brock Bowers does not love being at SEC Media Days. This is a guy that probably does not love being, you know, around the media. Not every player's – I think Brock does a fine job. He's certainly, you know, articulate spokesman when he wants to be, but a lot of guys just shy. They don't want to talk. And I think Kirby even kind of joked about this. Good luck getting Brock to say more than three words uh, here this week, which is, uh, you know, I guess kind of funny. But the point is, is that – and this is where, you know, I have to apologize to Brock – but I'm a big believer that if you are one of the best players in the SEC, I do think you need to be at an event like this, assuming that you can, I mean, you know, if you're just the shyest person in the world or you just don't like talking at all, then maybe you don't have to go. I guess we can excuse that. But I think the purpose of media events like this is making the media aware of things they should know. And unfortunately, there is, I think, been a certain requirement that the media gets a little bit more acquainted with a player like Brock Bowers, because I just think. And a lot of this is not a wrong reason. It's not a bad reason. Georgia has been so successful, and a lot of that success has been built on the back of kind of what we think of as sort of an ensemble cast. Large handful of players on defense, large handful of players on offense. There is no one reason why Georgia has won the last two national championships. There are myriad reasons. Uh, Brock Bowers has certainly been one of those. But Bowers almost hides in plain sight around the rest of the very successful Georgia football players. But that fact has obscured I believe, an overwhelming truth. The Bowers is, I think, arguably the best player in college football right now. And he is one of the best players in the history of Georgia football. Uh, you know, an organization that's been playing the sport since, what, uh, 1892? Uh, Bowers is one of the very best players ever play at UGA. So to have the proper appreciation for the current history playing out before our eyes means really having the proper appreciation for how good Bowers has been for, for, for you know going back the last two years how good he could be moving ahead to the upcoming season there as well that's an important part of the conversation around Georgia football right now and from that standpoint it was appropriate that Bowers be at SEC media days this week as I said before I thought he did certainly very well with all those microphones in his face even though that's probably not his favorite thing to do necessarily and I think one of the things that if you are a Georgia fan you take from this is is that we played yesterday some of the audio and we're gonna do more Kirby audio tomorrow but we played yesterday some audio of uh, Kirby Smart and he's talking about you know the the battle against complacency and the need to to protect against that and kind of a lot of stuff related to that and I think it's important to note that this is not just something a coach says because it sounds like something a coach should say the idea of sort of coach speak this isn't just something that kind of escapes from Kirby's brain through his mouth and then just sort of disappears in the ether this is the kind of thing that's also being internalized as a message by the players themselves because you know Brock Bowers at media days was asked you know what does better never rests mean to you that's a phrase that Kirby kind of used as their slogan their catchphrase for this particular year whatever else and I think Brock demonstrating a lot of other Georgia players there as well these aren't just words this is something that actually means something to these Georgia players. This is what Brock Bauer said this week about the phrase, the, the, the slogan that Kirby Smart has kind of stamped here, better never rest, borrowing that from the famous rugby team who kind of introduced that as a concept. This is what Brock Bauer said this week. That phrase means to him. Listen to Brock here. Yeah, I think it just goes along with uh, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse because everyone, everyone else in the country is 
and just striving to be better. And um, I mean, if we're not, if we don't keep growing at that um, that rate or above it, then we're just going to get uh, caught up to by other by other people. I had a great conversation with some Georgia fans this morning. Uh, we were just kind of you know sharing some thoughts back and forth, and that's one of the things that came up of you know tell me do you think that complacency can be an issue for Georgia and I think that if it wasn't a potential issue you know Kirby Smart wouldn't have spent so much time talking about it during SEC media days and guys like Brock Bowers wouldn't have already internalized that idea as much as they always have you know this notion of getting too complacent allowing someone to catch up to you allowing someone to overtake you whether it be a team that you we would potentially have circled as a true threat to Georgia winning the national championship or just some random team that sort of pops up on a kind of a surprise Saturday like almost happened a year ago with Missouri you know Georgia wouldn't be spending so much time talking about this if it wasn't a very real thing worth considering I mean let's face it there is probably a reason why no one has won three straight national championships it would stand to reason that almost any team that's won two straight would still be a very good team coming back for that you know that that next season Alabama would have been in 2013 you, know, you want to go back and think about you know early days of Barry Switzer at Oklahoma or you know some of these teams that have won back-to-back championships of course they were probably a very good team again year three there as well but success has a way of just not lasting forever and doing everything you can to make it last a little bit longer is probably the the goal that everyone's trying to figure out and so for Georgia it's not resting on your laurels it's not I guess, falling in love with your accomplishments. And it's probably not an easy thing to do. And just acknowledging it as a potential obstacle is probably not enough to defeat it. But boy, it's the first step towards defeating it, isn't it? And Kirby Smart pretty much told us that yesterday, that I can't sit here and tell you, oh, this is a Georgia team that has going to have no issue putting its laser sharp focus on every game that it plays here this season, because that level of intrinsic motivation, to borrow a phrase that Smart also used, is just not easy to conjure necessarily. But what I can tell you is, is that no one's going to take that idea more seriously than Georgia does. Not just coaches saying it because it sounds good, but coaches instilling it as a message into the players' minds, so much so that they're already talking about it themselves too. So uh, we talked about it yesterday being kind of the threat. Kirby Smart used that phrase, that the threat around Georgia is this idea of complacency. Kirby recognizes that as a leader of this organization he's helped the players themselves understand that too and a guy like Brock Bowers saying what he said there I think shows you just how seriously they take all of this and that's nice to see and to kind of put a bow in this conversation I'll also say this as well uh to circle back to what I mentioned a moment ago it's also nice to see Brock I think getting the attention that he deserves I believe that Brock Bowers could win the Heisman Trophy this year I believe that Brock Bowers truly is the best player on this team I think that's probably been true maybe the last couple of years there as well I think that Brock Bowers is just truly special and I'm glad to know now it seems like the full conscience of college football now recognizes how true that is big season potentially on tap for him both performance on the field and as he demonstrates with that clip strong leadership off the field there as well and that is around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at serve pro and of course we love what serve pro uh does for folks out there whether it's talking about a home situation or maybe for you it's a commercial real estate property whatever your situation might be if it's damaged if there's been fire if water intrusions caused you a big problem that creates an unbelievable mess and that's where the restoration specialist at serve pro can step in for you because your ultimate wish your ultimate hope for an outcome in a situation like that is you want to be all cleaned up put back together like it never even happened well that's exactly what serve pro is all about you know almost working a miracle here and 
putting all of this back together from a cleanup situation like it never happened. That's what Servpro wants to do for you. Each and every one of their franchises independently owned and operated. What that means is when you do business with Servpro, you're doing business with someone who's got just as much of a vested interest in the outcome as you do. They want to do right by you because this is their business. This is their livelihood. Well, when you talk about whatever property you have that's been damaged, the home you live in, the business that funds uh, your life, whatever that is, you've won a satisfactory outcome there as well. Servpro wants that with you too. So please find them online. It's servpro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servpro.com. And you can find out what they are able to do for you. And it's great to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse. All right. It's also great to have Terrence Edwards a part of the program here today. A lot to talk to Terrence about. The season is rolling on. We are uh, getting ready for it. And obviously, Terrence got some great thoughts on all that. So let's talk to him here today as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Good to have Terrence Edwards a part of the program. I know he's getting ready for the start of the season, working hard to practice every day with his uh, fantastic high school football team. Of course, Milton, one of the top teams in the Atlanta area. That expects to be true again here this year there as well, and Terrence is a big part of all of that. But he's also watching the things that are ongoing at uh, around Georgia there as well, including at SEC Media Days there too. Terrence, I don't remember. Did you go to Media Days in 2002? I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't remember. Were you there? No, I didn't. John Stinscom and David Green and maybe Tony Gibbard went. Okay, okay. So I'm. Is that something that you would have wanted to do, or is that something you're kind of glad you didn't have to do? Like, how did you feel about speaking to reporters back when you were a player? Is it kind of like it is now, where they would sort of select a few folks to talk after the game or something like that? Did you like talking to the media? Did you try to avoid it as much as you could? Uh, I didn't mind. Um, even throughout my, my my pro career, I didn't mind talking to the media media when uh, needed be. Uh, just after a tough loss, uh, you really got to understand uh, that the emotions are high, and uh, you really got to watch what you what you have to say. But other than that, I didn't have a problem with speaking to the media. Did you ever get in trouble for anything you said? No, I never, never got in, in, into any trouble for what I said. I always tried to keep a le- level head and understand um, the moment even when the moment is not in my favor are you uh kind of like me oh, just shift gears here that i saw about brock bowers before you joined us that it seems like now brock is finally getting i think the the credit that he deserves in my mind that you want to talk about the very best players in the sport right now like names like marvin harrison jr guys like that you know, I think that Brock Bowers is a part of that conversation. You know, maybe he's the very best, maybe he's just simply one of the best, but he's not in the second tier. He's not in the next group. To me, if he's fully healthy this season, he is in that that top group of very best players in the sport. I think that's been true probably the last couple of years. I don't believe he's always been given credit in that uh, to that effect, but I think now he probably is. I think this week's SEC Media Days helps him with that, and I think it's kind of a good thing to see. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this may come off a little biased, but I think he's the best football player in college football with just this variety of ways to impact the football game. Um, you don't see a lot of tight ends running jet sweeps. You don't see a lot of tight ends then hand the ball off. And then just his his size, his catching abilities, and his, his yak ability to run after catch um, is just off the chart. So um, me personally, I think he's the – the, the best football player 
pound for pound in college football. One of the things that Brock also talked about, and Kirby Smart talked about this week too, is the idea of combating complacency, not getting too satisfied with what you've already accomplished, but staying hungry to go out and do more. And most of us have some experience with this. In other words, I don't know what it feels like to catch a touchdown pass. I don't know what it feels like to to block a, a would-be pass rusher. Those are things I don't quite have a lot of experience with. But I do know what it feels like to think I want to do something and think I'm ready to fully commit to something, only to find out actually my commitment level wasn't as high as I thought that it was. Most people have some experience with that. And so we can more easily put ourselves into the idea of what Georgia players deal with in a situation like that. In real life, in real factual terms, how do you think Georgia actually combats the idea of wanting to go out there and win it again and not being satisfied with the fact they've won the last two national championships the way that obviously the dogs have? Yes, I think it's, it's a, something that's been talked among the leaders. Uh, I can't remember which Georgia player said it the other day that Nolan Smith is not walking through that door and, and Jordan Davis is not walking back through that door. So this team, this year, the, the, the 2023 team has nothing to do with the 22 team and the 21 team, even though there were some players that was on that team. So this team has to, has to find a, their own identity and just not just rest on their laurels of I've been a back-to-back champion. So I think the seniors on this team is, is, is going to be uh, the leaders that, that don't allow complacency to set in on these players. And everyone is just picking Georgia uh, versus the field. And uh, with the leadership of the coaches, with the leadership of Kirby, but the leadership of the players is most important. Yes, Kirby is the ultimate leader, but the seniors in that locker room or the leaders in that locker room is what polices the locker room. And, you know, Kirby can talk to his blue in the face, but it's on the players to police themselves and understand what tasks at hand. Yes, they could do something that has, hasn't been done since 1934-ish, I think, with the Minnesota yeah. Gophers. So it's, it's on the players, not the coaches in my mind, because the senior leadership has to be strong to understand the task at hand. I think the tricky thing about that too, Terrence, is the fact that you could go back to 2022 and tell some of those guys – hey, you know, the 2021 team, you weren't a starter on that team. You know, that was N'Kobe Dean's championship. That was Jordan Davis's championship. That was, you know, fill in the blank, you know, Jamari Salyer's championship. There were a lot of guys in 2022 who were kind of stepping up into a bigger role who were looking for their first championship because they didn't play as much the previous year. It seems like transition to 2023 – by my count, there are probably more guys playing significant stabs, snaps on last year's team who come back this year. You don't have the 15 draft picks, for instance, where it becomes a little bit harder to sell that. So in other words, you know, Georgia could, could fight complacency a year ago because there were so many new faces in big roles. This year, there's probably less of that. So the idea of whatever threat complacency truly is, it's probably more of a threat now than it was a year ago because it's one more national championship season added to the list and more guys who've now tasted some of that success who are kind of back in the same role they would have been a year before. Oh, you, you're definitely correct that the guys now have, have some taste of success. Uh, the year before, our, our two inside linebackers wasn't on that field for that team. Now they get their opportunity to go and be the leaders of that defense. And now they understand what success is. Now, do they want more? Or are they happy of what they've already accomplished? And, and it's the team leadership. And I think those two linebackers we have will be the heart and soul of this team to say, hey, we're not we're not there yet. We want more. We want to take this program to the elite level. We want to be the team that three-peat. 
And I think that is something that they can really rely on. Like to to three P is going to be even harder to three P than it was to to two P because now everyone is is not a fluke. Everyone is talking about the Georgia Bulldog as the overwhelming favorite to win it again. So you got to go into every game and win, and that's only going to come from the leadership on that team. And those guys can't sit back and be complacent. I think the Georgia Bulldog has brought in talented players that understand the game of football and understand we cannot be complacent. We cannot think we're just going to go out there and win because I know Kirby is not going to allow them to practice that way. And practice brings good habits, and habits usually lead to playing well on Saturdays. So let me ask you one more question about this topic because Kirby said something interesting. I think it was this week that he said this, that when he references these kinds of things, he references more like Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls than he does Minnesota football from the 1930s because the Jordan NBA stuff probably resonates with his team a little bit more. And so we obviously lived through the Jordan era as younger folks, and we know what Michael Jordan was like as a leader, pretty tenacious and, frankly, not all that fun to be around. In other words, do you think there's a way to have fun towards a third straight national championship or is the sort of Michael Jordan style of just pushing guys until they almost break, but actually making them better along the way, is that kind of the only way to get this done? Do you have to be the sort of like laser focus of a Michael Jordan or a, I guess even like a Kobe Bryant would have been kind of like that? Do you have to be that kind of athlete, like that kind of focus? Or is there a way to still have fun along the way to a third straight championship? It depends on the individual. I mean, you look at Mike and Kobe, their leadership styles are a little different than LeBron James and Magic Johnson's leadership styles. But you have to know the heartbeat of the team. There, there's time and place for everything. There's time and place to kind of be that jovial, upbeat, let's go out and have some fun. It's that time to be on the teammate when you, when you feel your teammate is not doing their best. I mean, just look at the Kobe Dean in the National Championship game when he got on Channing Tunnel for missing assignment. Then the next play, he was congratulating. So leaders have to figure out what's the heartbeat of the day. And today, each day changes. And so each play changes, each second changes. So the, the, the team really has to understand what is the heartbeat of this team. And leaders lead in different ways. I want to shift gears here to something else before we uh, let you go today. Uh, obviously, yesterday, an in-state wide receiver, Mike Matthews, five-star guy. I think with all due respect to a lot of other players in the state, I think Matthews may be as much fun to watch in Georgia right now as almost anybody is. Now, this year is going to be interesting because Juju Lewis is one year older and Dylan Riola is in the state now. And obviously, you know, Riola's teammate like K.J. Bolden is really fun to watch too. There's a lot of fun to watch players in Georgia. I think Mike Matthews is just a really entertaining football player and certainly a dazzling athlete. He chose Tennessee yesterday. That was expected. It was certainly not expected that he was going to choose UGA. But it does kind of put that spotlight, Terrence, back on, you know, the idea of the five-star receiver and coming to Georgia. You know, Georgia's going to still get a shot at Ryan Wingo later on in December when when Wingo makes his announcement. I think that Georgia's a factor in that recruitment. But I think there were some Georgia fans who sort of thought, hey, you got Dylan Riola now, and the five-star receiver is going to flock to play with the five-star quarterback here. And yet there is still an element in which that's not necessarily the easiest thing to pull off here. What do you make about that kind of final frontier for Georgia recruiting? Now, I'm sure you'll point out, and you're correct to do so, Georgia's doing pretty well with the receivers it is getting. The numbers, there's no problem with those necessarily. But fans still like the idea of winning with a player like Matthews sometime in the future. What do you make about the fact that's just proven to be such a hard thing for UGA to do? You know, I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about, like, when I was coming out of high school and 
the motto was, let's lock down the state. Let's get the very best player out of the state of Georgia and compete. And I'm just looking at now the brand of UGA. UGA is not necessarily trying to get the best players. They recruit the best players, and and we are not always getting the best players out of the state of Georgia, but we're a national brand. We're going to go out to each state and get the best players that fit the Georgia program. And, yes, we would like to have Mike Matthews because he's a – He's a great player. I mean, he, he could be a five-star safety or a basketball player or a wide receiver. So Tennessee is, is definitely getting an outstanding football player. So I just think a lot of fans now need to, to realize that every in-state player is not going to want to go to Georgia. And there's a lot of factors in that. Even though we have won two back-to-back national championships and you would think every Georgia kid is, is, would line up to go to Georgia if they get an offer, uh, but that's not the case anymore with the advent of social media, with the advent of each, these kids want to have their, their own brand. So it's a, it's a lot more to do with marketing and brand and what can I do to earn money, not necessarily NIL, but just how can I make myself a well-known entity? And that goes into a lot of this more than I had to deal with. So you look at the Tennessee's offense and what Mike is going to, and, that, and that's, you know, understandably. But uh, I think it, there's a time, too, that the stigma is, is – I think the stigma is Georgia is a running school because of the history of Georgia football, not not the present. I, there's a lot of there's, – there's some educated people out there that understand you can go to Georgia and still make it to the NFL, even though if you don't get a 1,000 yards. But I just think it's the stigma of Georgia has been running back you for so long, and they still think – we run the football. We are running school. When actually, if you look at the numbers, that is not necessarily the case. So let me ask you this, and we'll close up the conversation uh, with with this. And maybe we've talked about this before. I don't I honestly don't remember, but you look at a regular season that George is about to play. You know, there's a chance that a couple of these games are maybe pretty big, but there's also a possibility, Terrence, that you know Tennessee could lose a couple of times before they play Georgia. Ole Miss may lose more than that before it plays Georgia in November. There is a chance that Georgia just doesn't play a big regular season game this year. There's certainly a possibility of that uh, taking place. And so if you're a big favorite in every game, if there's nothing to really be gained by the regular season, then Terrence, maybe just for this year in the regular season, Georgia should just turn it loose. I mean, clearly – they score a bunch of points in the postseason a year ago, scored 50 against LSU, 40-plus against Ohio State, 65 against TCU. They clearly flipped an offensive switch once they got to the postseason a year ago. Maybe they should just play that way during the regular season. There's nothing else to be gained by this year's regular season. If you're a huge favorite in every game, you know why not pour it on with the passing game, give some stats to wide receivers? I don't think that's the way you win the national championship. I think you have to be tough on both sides of the ball to win it all. But if the regular season doesn't provide very much in the way of competition, then why not go out there and hang some big numbers to see if you could kind of change your uh, perception with some of these future wide receivers who are going to make some decisions? Does that seem like a good idea to you? It sounds like a good idea to the to the common fan. I'm a fan now. I'm not a player anymore. And as a receiver, I would love to go out there and, and get my numbers. But it just does not seem like that is Curtis Mon. I just don't think he will go out there and just throw the ball around, maybe create turnovers, maybe be three and out to try to prove a point to recruits. I think winning, and he's going to go out there and be the, that tenacity recruiter that he is, and he's going to identify players that he feels that fits the Georgia mold, and he's going to go out and recruit the best players, the five stars, or you find Kobe White or Lad McConkey, one of those guys that's not per se highly rated. 
but he's going to find something in them to be a productive player. Dylan Bell, none of the Texas schools wanted Dylan Bell. Now I think Dylan Bell is an awesome receiver that's going to help us make plays. I said that last year before anyone knew about Dylan Bell. So I trust that we, you know, going to get the players that fit the Georgia program. But I'm a fan too, so I would love to have Mike Matthews and, and Jeremiah Smith. I would love to have those guys on our team as well. But I just don't think we would go out and just throw the ball around to show the upcoming receivers that that we will and can throw the ball around. Maybe we will, but the Kirby, I know I don't think so. Terrence, it's always great to talk to you. So much great insight from you on everything going on with UGA and, of course, the uh, state of Georgia there as well. You're a big part of all of that. And you're also the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. I know you've been working hard with those middle school guys here this summer while the high school guys are getting ready to start their season. So for people who want you know, more access to you and the training you provide, but also just some of your thoughts on football because you're sharing those on social media there as well, how can they connect with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? Yes, just like you said, I'm definitely looking for the, the middle school kids right now. Uh, I started all my kids from Jermaine Burton to Eric Gilbert to Justin Ross, just to name a few that people know. I started all those guys in middle school and trained them all the way up. So any middle schoolers out there looking to uh, become better football players, become better people, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Really enjoyable conversation, as always, with the great former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards right there. Let me also remind you that before we are done today, I want to give you another big update on a really fun contest we're running at Dog Nation right now. So stay with us. Uh, your chance to be a big winner, your chance to honor someone great in your life, potentially. This is a really cool contest. We'll tell you more about that coming up before we're done today. Big time news on all of that. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. I also want to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean there as well. And man, oh man, Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacations. It's going to be a while before I get a chance to take one again. You know, this is the time in which I'm sort of settled into my season now. You know, SEC Media Day is ongoing this week. Season right there around the corner. High school starts before that. So we're essentially in football time right now. Uh, but boy, I start imagining and daydreaming about what 2024 could be like. Whether it's a trip, I'm hoping, on Icon of the Seas, the brand new offering from Royal Crib. And you better believe I'm hoping to be on Icon of the Seas here coming up very, very soon in 2024 to be a part of a cruise vacation unlike any other. You're talking about a water park floating at sea. You're talking about you know brand new neighborhoods, specialty restaurant concepts, all kinds of bars and lounges, entertainment. My understanding is that the, the, the Broadway-style show that's going to be on board Icon of the Seas is the Wizard of Oz. Like This is a really, really like big, full, you know, scale entertainment mecca uh, and so many fun, you know, food and beverage type things going along with that. Just a really, really cool thing. And really unlike anything Royal Caribbean's ever done before, taking it all to a new level, that's Icon of the Seas. you got Utopia of the Seas debuting in July of 2024, the newest uh, uh, Oasis-class ship being offered. That's going to be a fun one to be a part of. Those are three and four night sailings going out of Port Canaveral which is really cool the fact that now Royal Caribbean for the very first time is about to start offering those shorter sailings because for some people schedule wise the three night or the four night sailing just makes more sense when you're trying to 
you know get a lot of people on the same page and try to navigate schedules things like that the three and the four night sailings just going to make more sense and oasis class ships for the very first time are going to be pursuing those itineraries in 2024 which is exciting including the dog nation cruise in april of 2024 april 22nd through the 26th on board allure of the seas one of those oasis class ships one of the largest coolest you know ships that you'll see at sea uh just an amazing thing here bigger and better more dog nation theme events more things to do on board still going to perfect day coco cave it's a big part of all that for me also going to nassau in the bahamas there as well we've had an unbelievable response thus far to our dog nation cruise for uh, 2024 bigger and better than it's ever been and you have a chance to get in be a part of that right now royaldogs.com that's the website royaldogs.com you can be a part of the dog nation cruise in april of 2024 cannot wait to have you on board for all of that all right so let's talk for a moment about some of the things ongoing at sec media days the final coaches and players roll through today by tomorrow we'll have the voting taking place and announced for first team all sec uh for the order of finish the winner of the two divisions by the way for the final time we'll announce preseason picks to win both the sec east and west there are no divisions moving forward in the sec uh, we'll have the predicted team to to win the league as connor riley pointed out to us when he was with us on monday georgia actually hasn't been picked to win the sec i believe he said since 2004 that would have been david pollock david green senior seasons and the other georgia players who were kind of involved in that even in 2008 when Georgia was preseason number one in the AP and the coaches poll, apparently they were not picked to win the SEC. I'm assuming Florida would have been that particular season. So we haven't seen Georgia pick to win the SEC a lot. We will see that happen this year. The weird part about this is, is that Georgia will find itself seemingly in a precarious position if it is indeed picked to win the SEC, which obviously it's going to be. The media has a nasty habit of not getting its predictions right. I believe they've only gotten it right in terms of who's going to win the sec 11 times in the last 30 years so conventional wisdom all oftentimes proves to be anything but conventional uh when it comes to the sec media types trying to make their predictions here right now so georgia will not only be picked to win the league for the first time in a while they'll be one of the few teams hoping to actually avoid the media curse if you want to call it that but that's going to be the pick that comes out on friday we'll see how close a team like alabama perhaps lsu comes to matching georgia's vote total my guess is it won't be particularly close there on that but we'll see that and speaking of alabama and lsu i am curious to see how those two teams are treated in terms of the pick to win the sec west i have a sneaking suspicion that alabama is going to garner more votes than lsu does i believe that's going to be the case which sort of harkens back to a conversation we've had about lsu before now you got to be pretty you know in the weeds of like sec media stuff to care about this but the debate we've had a little bit is is lsu a media darling or are they being overlooked and disregarded unfairly and i would tell you that over the course of the calendar year those two ideas have kind of you know sort of evolved a bit that i think lsu has had more love as of late than it did early in the year because i think people sort of assumed that alabama would retake its rightful spot atop the sec west and then people saw what was a little bit of a lackluster spring practice from alabama and that caused them to reconsider the tide which opened the door for lsu so we're going to find out kind of once and for all is lsu sort of a media darling and maybe overhyped moving into the year or are they underhyped and unfairly disregarded the vote from the sec west side of things could tell us that my prediction is 
it will be Alabama who gets that nod. My prediction on the field is the media will turn out to be wrong on this. I think LSU is just a better team. Better at quarterback, probably two quarterbacks on LSU, better than anything that Alabama has. And probably a little deeper around the roster overall, return of Mason Smith being healthy, Harold Perkins obviously defensive star. It does seem like this week one of the things we've been wondering about has been confirmed. It sounds like they're going to play Harold Perkins as kind of an inside linebacker this year, which to me seems weird, but I'm also a long way from Baton Rouge, so maybe that makes more sense if you're in the you know in in Louisiana uh, maybe that makes a little bit more sense there but this is an LSU team that I think can be really good and I believe they will be better than Alabama but I don't believe that's the nod uh, that the uh, media gives them here this week and the other thing about the voting is it'll be interesting to see how many Georgia players are named preseason you know all SEC picks that's going to be interesting to see you know is it five is it less than that? Uh, I don't think it'll be more than that. But, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, three on offense, couple on defense, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of what I sort of expect to see. And if that is indeed the case, that sort of bolsters the idea of why Georgia is such a heavy favorite in the league right now. But one of the guys who would disagree with that apparently is J.C. Latham. The And listen, I do think that Latham's a very good offensive lineman. I do believe that Alabama this year has a chance to have a very good offensive line. Latham was quite boastful at media days yesterday. And it's kind of interesting. Some people sort of thought that Nick Saban was a little more, is it demure? Is it the right word? He's a little more, you know, a little little more understated with some of his comments from the podium, almost not coming across as incredibly confident about his team. Maybe that was, you know, maybe he was intentionally sandbagging. But to me, there's an interesting contrast here where, the Georgia players sound exactly like Kirby Smart. The same language, the same tone, the same everything. They are clearly reflecting the overall mantra expressed by the key leader, the top leader, Kirby Smart. Whereas, you know, you got Nick Saban, who I think from the podium was fairly measured and frankly kind of curious about his team. And you got a guy like J.C. Latham who said things to the effect of, he thinks the Alabama standard is still, you know, the standard in the SEC. He's certainly not inferior to Georgia. His expectation is Alabama wins the national championship, all these kind of things. And the truth is, is I'm not going to rip Latham for that kind of stuff too much because, I mean, if you're a player, wouldn't you want to be competent in your team? So I'm actually not going to rip Latham on any of that kind of stuff too much. But I am going to point out that it's a lot more boastful than the tone that his coach took. And you just kind of wonder, well, is there a disconnect between coach and player here uh, kind of moving forward where Alabama players think they're still Alabama because they're putting the Alabama uniform on? But Nick Saban, who's just got more experience evaluating these guys year after year, sort of realizes that, hey, not every Alabama team sort of cut from the same cloth and maybe he's sort of waiting to find out what kind of cloth this Bama team is truly cut from. Tuscaloosa is going to be fascinating this year and and some of that's fascinating because if they're good they obviously potentially stand in the way of Georgia but there's also an element in which the Crimson Tide are really interesting for reasons that have nothing to do with UGA this is either an Alabama team that sort of retakes its spot near the top of college football perhaps reaching back to Saban's coaching past as a way of reclaiming that or this is a team that on the heels of losing two regular season games a year ago is no better than that this year, which I think would send a pretty strong signal that the era of Alabama is over. As of now, it's not over. As of now, they have a possibility to reclaim what was once theirs. But if they go you know, another year without making the college football playoff and provide another year where they're potentially multiple regular season losses, which is at least a possibility, at that point in time, 
the tone around the SEC would have changed and it would have moved against Alabama. We'll see if it plays out that way. Talked to a Terrence a moment ago about Mike Matthews making the commitment to Tennessee. I think he's a really good player. We obviously talk about, you know, Georgia with Terrence a moment ago about the pursuit of five-star wide receivers, whether or not you can get in on a guy like Ringo, uh, not Ringo, excuse me, Wingo, who's going to make his announcement coming up in December. You know, obviously that's been a topic for Georgia fans for a while. I do think you can probably expect Tennessee to be a factor with, you know, these kinds of offensive weapons moving forward. Josh Heupel obviously has a very good brand as an offensive coach. I don't know that Tennessee takes that step to be a full-fledged team. You've got to be able to do it on both sides of the ball in order to be able to do that. I think recruiting wins are more important defensively than they are on offense. You go back and look last 15, 20 years of college football, maybe the last 10 to 15 years to be more specific when the really big offensive explosions have taken place. A lot of the teams who've had great offenses haven't always had great offensive recruits. We saw Big 12 teams, the Baylors, the TCUs, the teams like that over the years that have scored a bunch of points. They haven't always relied on five-star quarterback, four-star wide receivers to get that done. We have seen prolific offenses at times have less than elite recruits. But for the most part, there's only one way to build a great defense, and that's through the recruiting process. Now, why is that? I'm not smart enough to tell you, but I am smart enough to recognize what the truth is. And great defenses are typically built on the back of a lot of really good recruits. So things change for Tennessee the moment they start recruiting the defensive version of what a Mike Matthews is. I don't think that's happening yet. The reduced scholarships may make that even tougher to uh, take place. But no doubt, there's a pretty strong brand here offensively for the Vols right now. Probably some NIL stuff there as well. It makes winning things like this with Matthews a little easier. Uh, But can they do that with regularity on both sides of the ball? If they want to be a championship contender, they're going to need to. They're not doing that as of yet. Speaking of great defensive recruits, we have a commitment date now for Justin Williams, the five-star linebacker. That is July 24th. That looms now really pretty soon. And this is one of those battles of all the big names soon to decide. Seems like Georgia may be in the best position with Williams as possibly anybody. Uh, we don't really quite yet know about Williams Winery. The now on three rates as the number one prospect overall. A lot of talk about Missouri, a lot of talk about Oklahoma. I would say that Georgia's still a factor there. But Williams is the guy that seems like for now Georgia may be best positioned with among the elite recruits who have not committed as of yet so we'll find out in just a few days if that is indeed true and then a little bit of a shout out to florida here to be fair and balanced they did flip a four-star wide receiver you know kind of ranked outside the top 250 but nonetheless four-star wide receiver tj abrams from florida state obviously mike norvell's planted a little bit of flag there at tallahassee so gators fans are clearly going to celebrate when they pull one out of that Seminole program in the case of abrams receiver they have done that and billy napier a lot of questions being asked about him on the field and i think rightly so he has had a pretty resounding response to some first-year questions with what he's done with his 2024 recruiting class thus far. They're ranked near the top, and they've clearly brought in a higher, I should say a larger number of top players than they have in the past. And so Billy Napier should get credit for that, and he will here, at least for a moment, will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, I told you a moment ago that I want you to be aware of a contest ongoing at dognation.com right now. We are celebrating some outstanding teachers, and we're depending on you to help us celebrate them. So when you go to dognation.com, you can find an easy thing to click into right there and make a nomination for a great teacher in your life. This could be a teacher you know in your family. This could be a teacher that's taught your children. 
this could just be a teacher you know in your community. There are really no rules there on that. Just a teacher that you know that's doing a great job. Nominate them to be one of our outstanding teachers recognized to your courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Because coming up uh, the week of August 7th through the 11th, we're going to announce a winner of our Kroger Outstanding Teachers Contest each and every day here in our program. And the winners are going to be drawn from the nominations that we're getting right now. That's ongoing here. Now, the really cool thing is, is that the teachers who win get a chance to win not just one, but four incredible gift cards, including, uh, how about this, a $100 gift card from Kroger there as well. So it's four great uh, gift cards, $100 gift card from uh, Kroger as a part of all of that there too. And you got Bath and Body Works, Home Chef, Target there as well. So you've got four great gift cards. You have a chance to win there on all of that. And the cool thing is, it's not just the teachers who have an opportunity to win here. You've also got a great opportunity for the nominator to win there too. So when you nominate one of these teachers, if that teacher becomes one of our winners, you can also win your own $50 gift card courtesy of Kroger and a Dog Nation prize pack as well, which includes t-shirt and all kind of cool things there as well. So Dog Nation give back a $50 Kroger gift card for each of our winning nominators. And the uh, nominator, the teacher that gets nominated, has a chance to win four big gift cards. What a great way to start a, a really fun brand new school year. Four great gift cards going the way of our outstanding teacher winners. So we'll announce those the week of August 7th through the 11th. But go to dognation.com to make your nomination here right now. And not only could the teacher be the winner, but you yourself could be a winner there as well as one who provides the uh, nomination. By the way, don't forget, grilling season still in a fun, high fashion here around the uh, summertime area. A lot of teachers getting ready to go back to school, but they're not back to school yet. They're soaking up and enjoying that last little bit of summer. All of you should be doing the same thing. And as you're getting ready for everything going on this grilling time of year, outdoor time of year don't forget to check out our friends at local kroger to do a whole lot more on that or stop by and uh, check out the website kroger.com in store or online kroger's got you covered for everything you need to get ready for this grilling season all right so on the show to kick things off today we made fun of those lousy stinking gators and never a bad thing to do in fact that's the theme for our golden shoe here today there as well our buddy john paul williams running in to say that he's eating those gator bites and making sure the Gators stay in line at Gatorland down here in Orlando, repping the dogs. First of all, I love Gatorland. I, 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 love, I like a lot of those Florida tourist attractions. Gatorland's a fun one. Uh, that's a really, really cool thing to see. Uh, look at uh, uh, John Paul Williams there just riding that Gator. He's got that thing uh, uh, subdued. Uh, that's awesome to see and enjoying those gator bites there as well what a fun summertime that is good stuff there and a well-earned golden shoe for a couple of great photos as we mock those lousy stinking gators and by the way gator hater countdown we've reached quite a milestone 100 days from now georgia beats florida uh you know the season's getting close when the gator hater countdown actually starts to feel like it's getting a little close just 100 days out from the cocktail party that's good news we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp